If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter number seven, that's where we're going to be. And we're going we're gonna to look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter number five real quick. You know, when you get saved, and as small as we are, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm in a Billy Graham revival. You know, when I look out here, I, I'm talking to people that I've seen Sunday after Sunday, and, and that's not a complaint. But I want you all to understand that's why I, I'm going a little toward doctrine on these sermons here for a little while. We've done some devotional, doing a little bit of doctrine, and we're going to continue on with the one we did before last week in uh, Romans chapter number 7, what happened to the law. And But today it's going to be a little different aspect. So when you get saved, things change, right? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and a lot of people tell you, it's, it's peace in my heart now. Because they understood that they were standing on the brink of hell. David said in uh, 1 Samuel, he said, there's but a step between me and death. Now, he was saying that because Saul could kill him at any time. But it's a truism for us. There's just a step between me and death, or any of us in death. It could happen at any time. And when you understand that after that death, there is an eternal torment in hell, But then you come to understand that that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. So that we wouldn't have to go to that place of eternal torment. Because our own righteousness couldn't put us into heaven. God sent his son, John 3, 16, to die on the cross for us. When you understand that. And I know when I was 11 years old and I was in that football stadium down in Tech City, I understood it that night, and it brought me to tears. I understood that even as a young man, the things that I'd done up until that time were enough to put me into hell. And we looked at this morning, John 3.18, he that believeth, I just hate getting it wrong. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the caveat there. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you understand that your destination has been changed, that when you have that step between you and death and you step off into eternity, you're stepping off into eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And when you understand that, I, when I understood that as an 11-year-old, there was peace in my heart. But then something happened between 11, 27, 27 to 50. And that's it. We're not going any further. The birthday stopped last year. The family just hadn't got the message. But something happened between there and here. And... I had changed, my destination had changed, but there was still within me something that would do wrong. Some church girls, goers, not girls, church goers will tell you, well, he was never saved in the first place. And you just couldn't tell that to my heart. The devil told me a lot of times. I had a peace in my heart, but the, it hadn't, there was things that hadn't changed. And as life began to take over, you wouldn't know me from the world. 
And it's really easy to say, well, you didn't know, you, didn't, you don't know Jesus Christ in the first place. You never got saved. And it's like, well, there's something here. I knew that I had placed my trust in him, but I didn't fully understand what took place. And what takes place is there's a battle that takes place. If you don't know about the battle, you can get caught off in the sin like the rest of the world. And this is the part where you can get mad at me and walk off. I don't care. I just, I had to come to terms when I got older because I, uh, I went to a preaching service, a revival meeting, and buddy, they were laying it on. If you don't remember the day, the time, the moment, the pew you were sitting in, and the hour, you weren't really saved. I call it retreading. You can get a lot of church members to come back down to the altar with that. Now, there's going to be other people that come to the altar, too, that weren't saved now. But I was really questioning. I had surrendered to preach, and, and I looked back at my life. I looked back at my time in the Navy the things that I had done since then, and say, oh, you know, I, I just don't know. Am I saved? I came to a point, I came to a realization, and I, at this point, I said, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. If, if, if nothing took before, I do it now. And I reached a conclusion in, in prayer. <laughs> And in reading my Bible now, grant you, that when you place your trust in Christ, you're placing your trust in Christ. You're not placing your trust in yourself. Are you following me on that? Before you accepted Christ, you could do nothing to get into heaven. You are already condemned. The Bible tells us that. He that hath not believed is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Your destination is changed when you trust Jesus Christ, but there's still within you, and I'm going to show you this today, there's still within you that sin. And it gets confusing because in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, it says right here, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And your life does change at that moment. And not everybody goes astray. There are people that get saved from that moment. Everything has changed. It was a little different for me. My, my family didn't go to church. When I accepted Christ, that was kind of the end of it. That's why I love discipleship. The idea of discipleship. The idea of showing someone and drawing someone to the Bible. And, uh, but, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I had this verse come back at me, come back at me. So y'all can say what you want, but let's go to Romans chapter number seven. And let's see what Paul said. Now we know that Paul was faithful to Jesus Christ. We know that Paul followed Christ. You go from Acts chapter number 9 where he was struck blind on the road to Damascus and we know that he followed Christ from that time forward. And I'm told by better men than me that this is 27 years into Paul's ministry about when you get to Romans chapter number 7 and here he's talking to the church at the Romans 
And we had looked at the beginning of chapter number seven, and the last sermon was about how we, our relationship to the law. And if you look in those first six verses, we are dead to the law. And he gives the illustration of a marriage, a woman that's married to a man, and the man pass, uh, passes away. She's no longer bound in marriage to him. The law, and it's all in context of the law. And just a quick refresher. He said, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. So that she is no longer, she is no adulteress, though she, though she be married to another man. A lot of times this is used for doctrine, for, you know, not getting a divorce and all that. In, in the context here, and I'm not saying that you should or should not get a divorce, but in the context that's here for this passage, Paul is talking about our relationship to the law, and he's using marriage as an illustration of this. And he says, uh, verse number four, wherefore, my brethren, ye also, and see, here's the context. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And we went into Romans chapter number six last time. We're not going to do it again. But it shows you, and, and one of the key, passage, uh, key verses is verse number 11. Therefore, uh, likewise reckon yourselves to be dead indeed. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And, and that's an imperative. There are, it's something that you need to do. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. That's an, that's an active thing. That's an active decision. I'm dead to that. I no longer do that and be alive to Christ. It's a decision that you make. Now, does that say that you're off the hook if you make the decision the other way? Well, I'll answer you in Paul's words in verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? First chapter number six, verse number one. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then he goes on in that passage and he talks about you can be a servant of sin or you can be a servant of righteousness. So that just gives the context and that puts us up to the point where we're at today. Uh, back in Romans chapter number seven, he says, wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead. This is verse number four. You also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another, even to him that is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. In verse number five, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. And then he goes on to say in verse number seven, and this is where we start today. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. He said, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. When we look at Romans chapter number seven, I got three points to help you keep on track. The first one is that the law reveals sin in us. And then the second thing we're going to look at is the struggle of the Christian 
between the evil that's in him and the good that he wants to do. And then the third one is that the law also reveals the victory that we can have over that struggle. Amen? So here Paul's pointing out how the law reveals the sin. He says, is the law sin? Because, because it's death. He said, no, God forbid. See, God gave us a holy and a pure law to show us what holiness and pureness is. Without the law, if the law hadn't said, do not kill, would you know that it's bad? Let me put it in modern terms, because there's a few places around here I get nervous. If the, if the speed limit sign isn't there to tell you it's only 30, and you, you think you're doing 40 because you're down here. It happened to me in Friendswood. I went over that. I'll tell you about another time coming. I drive back and forth to see Didi. It was an eight-hour trip. You know, and I try to vary things up. I went down the back roads. I went through this one town. My goodness. Hey, you talk about a speed trap. It went from 55, 45. It got all the way down to 20. And, and it was less than a mile space. And one of them signs was behind a tree. <laughs> I got on the other side of the town, uh, you know, and the cop pulled me over. But he, he said, what was the speed limit? I said, well, it goes from 85 down to 45. And then goes 45 back up to 55. And he said, no, it goes down to 20 in town. But I didn't see the sign. But the law was still there. And the law shows us what sin is. That's that speed limit sign, if I'd have seen it, that would have shown me what my sin was in that town, if I'd have seen it. So Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known. And the speed limit sign didn't cause me to speed. It was me ignoring the speed limit sign or not seeing it. But by the... Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law said, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. You say, what is concupiscence? Well, set a cookie on the, on the counter and tell a kid they can't have it. You're going to work up all manner of concupiscence in that child. That cookie's going to look better and better. It used to be with ice cream, but I kind of feel it when I eat it now. And it's not good. But, uh, I mean, it's just a fact of life that things are more enjoyable when they're not allowed, right? Who's going to deny that? All right, so wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. In other words, nobody knew about it without the law. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And I go back to Romans 6, 23 there where it says, for the wages of sin is death. And, you know, when all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. And, and the commandment which was ordained to life, in other words, the commandment, the law, points to eternal life. If you kept every one of the commandments, and there's only one man who's ever been on this earth who has, if you kept every one of those commandments, if you'd never sinned, we've been going over this in Sunday school, and I just keep hammering it, hammering it, hammering it. But there's a point to this. 
And uh, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. That law doesn't cause you to sin. The law is not bad. But that law holds a mirror up to you. And it shows you, it reveals the sin that's within you. Verse number 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? He said, God forbid, but it's sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. It holds the mirror up and you can see the sin that's working within you. Nothing's ever so hard to get over until you realize it's a problem and you're trying to overcome it. And that could be with anything in life. You're doing just fine. You're going along with whatever addiction you may have and I'm not hitting on drugs or video games, whatever it is, whatever habits you got going, it's never so hard to quit as, or it's never so hard on you as when you say, hey, that's a problem and I need to take care of it. And then all of a sudden, but I want it. So he says, uh, was in that way, God forbid, but that sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, here's a key component to your Christian life. Here's a key thing to understand. You have two natures. Before Jesus Christ, you have one nature. You have a carnal nature. You do whatever. It's in you. you the world, whatever, whatever's out there. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you receive the Spirit, this is seal, we're sealed until the day of redemption. When you receive that Spirit, you gain a new nature. You become a new creature, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, and you have two natures. You still have your sin nature, your flesh, and you have the spiritual. And there's that battle I've always talked about. Which one's going to win? The one you feed. And we're going to look at that. But it's, that's the important thing to understand. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, I like to read this fast, and I think I will. Maybe I shouldn't. I just, I just love the way it sounds real fast. And then he goes into the struggle that takes place. I like to read it fast because... This is how it feels sometimes. Listen to him. Listen to Paul. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now that it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, but the I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law of my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. <sighs> oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Did y'all get all that? We can have a closing prayer and go home, right? <laughs> I like to read it fast because that's some, you know, that's how my mind works. It just keeps spouting out, keeps spouting out. But he's talking about the struggle that's taking place in this. Like I said, better man than me have said this is 27 years after the Damascus Road, right around there. But it's been a long time. And Paul's talking about this inner struggle that takes place within him. Now, I told you, how can an 11-year-old boy get saved and then fall off into the world? Well, he was never saved in the first place. Well, that's easy and that's convenient. Except God knows who's saved, God knows who isn't. There are some that, yeah, just said some words. Uh, well, Didi's own testimony was that there was a lot of kids going up and she didn't really even understand what was going on until she was older and she was an adult. We were going to church in Alabama. That's when she truly understood. I, I couldn't deny it for me. There have been times I turned to God. There have been times. And I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other. You, you want to walk on the spiritual side, and that's where we're going to get to. But let's pull this apart because there's a struggle that takes place, and that's the next thing. The law reveals that struggle within us. That law is still there like a signpost. That law still shows us what sin is. I'm going to say it one time. Are y'all with me? Amen. I've avoided saying it six times already. Y'all just don't know it. All right. So, Paul talks about, he says, verse number 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. The flesh and the spirit. If you look in Galatians chapter, if you don't have to, I'm just turning to it so I get the verse right. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now Paul's talking to save people in Galatians. But he's also talking to people that want to follow the law. So he's making a point about you follow the law, you're trying to work it out in your own flesh. It needs to be a spiritual solution. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the others. There's a spiritual battle that's taking place. All right. So verse number 15, he says, for that which I do, I allow not for what I would that do I not, but what I hate, that, I, that do I. That's all right. Let's just read a little further and we'll see what he's talking about because he gets in more detail. He says, if then I do that which I would not. You go for the ice cream. Decision point. I make these easy, don't I? I can tell you, you're passing that bar on the way home. You're, you're doing this. You're doing that. I'm making it easy. Ice cream's over here. I'm one of them cushy preachers, right? I'll still tell you hell's going to fire. Ice cream's over here. You're at a decision point, a fork in the road. 
you know you're not supposed to have it. Or you can go away from it. Or you can keep looking at it. Paul says, I would do the good things. Let's look at it. He says, he says, for that which I do, I allow not. I'm doing these things that I'm not allowing myself to do. This was confusing when you read it, but this part here. I I keep doing those things which I don't want to do. He said, but what I hate, that I do. But I keep doing those things that I hate to do. He said, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. When we sin, all we do is prove the law is right. It's the inner struggle that's taking place that we're talking about. More about that inner struggle in uh, Ephesians chapter number 6. It talks about, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. It's a spiritual battle that takes place. He said, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. This is Paul talking 27 years later. Sin that dwelleth in me. When we got saved, we became dead to sin. But we, well, we became dead to the law, excuse me. We have to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's within us. There's no good thing here on this earth. The only good thing that's within us is the Spirit of God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you receive the Holy Spirit. I know this isn't a catchy one, but... Do you understand how important this is? Because here's what happens. When you say, well, I got saved and I hadn't sinned at all. I heard Oliver B. Green preach at one time and he said he was sitting in front of his trailer. A man came up and said, well, I hadn't sinned in 27 years. He got up. He said, I started lifting up his jacket and looking behind him. It was in the 60s, you know. And uh, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for wings. (laughs) Man who hadn't sinned in 27 years ought to have pen feathers, amen. But, uh, <clears throat> so going on, he says, verse number 19, for the good that I would do, I do not. Or the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I'm, I want to do good, but the evil that's in me comes out. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And then he begins to talk about a couple other laws. But just to get to the point on that, it's a spiritual battle. And there's also an external struggle that takes place with temptations from outside. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's where you put yourself. You know, when you're trying to overcome something, it's best to stay away from it. It's better, they, they call them triggers. Let's get practical about this, right? When there's, when there's something that constantly pulls you in, you want to stay away from those triggers. Uh, I've been learning a little bit about it, but, you know, you're on your way home and you you got to stop for a donut every day because you pass by that store. Maybe you ought to go a different route. I'm keeping it simple with the food, but you know we're talking about sin, right? And we're, you know we're talking about how bad it can get. Anything. I don't care whether you're talking about adultery. I don't care whether you're talking about violence. I don't care 
what you're talking You stay away from it. You make that decision. You find a way to avoid it. All right, but now Paul's talking about a couple laws. And this is all within the internal structure, the internal struggle. Verse 21, he says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Now, this isn't a law written on the books. This is like the law of gravity. If I drop it, it's going to fall. It's going to happen. Paul says that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You want to try that out? Just sit and dedicate yourself to prayer for 30 minutes. And see what the devil does to you. See what kind of thoughts pop into your head while you're there. And you push them back. Oh, Lord, I want to focus on you. It's an internal struggle. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. We know that it's good. I could go into more of it. You know, Jesus knocked it down to two commandments. Love God, love others, basically. And all those commandments are wrapped up in those two. He says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, the inside, but I see another law in my members, that's the flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. In other words, you accept Christ as your Savior, your destinations change, you still have the capability to sin. If you've turned yourself over to God, if you've begun to turn yourself over to God, be aware that when you stop doing what you're doing, if you're reading your Bible every day and that's been helping you, if you've been in prayer, if you've been going to church, if you've been, I just paused a little bit there. If you've been going to church, if you've been praying, if you've been, if you've been in your body, you've been just learning God's word, just dwelling with God. And it doesn't mean you have to walk around hyper-spiritual. We'll talk about that next week. But if you get away from that, and I always get nervous when someone gets saved and, and then they don't, they're not in church or something like that, because then the world has more say than God does in their life. They can fall away. And it said, uh, but I see another law warring in my members against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then verse 24, that's the frustration. After he goes through all that, that's why I like to read it fast, because you, you get to that point, you battle yourself, you battle yourself. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. And it's just a conclusion. It's realizing there's nothing good in me. And when you reach that point where there's nothing good in you, when you reach that point where you say, you know what? I know that I'm wicked. I know that I'm evil. I know that I'm capable of these things. Then you can reach the conclusion that Paul said. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I've tried this. I've tried that. I came clean. I, I did it for a while, and then I fell, and fell back into it. I went back to the hog wall or whatever it is. I fell away from it. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? That's the frustration. That's where people reach the bottom. They reach the end of themselves, and they say, there's nothing good in me. There's no point. There's no sense in going on. I just give up. And that's where the devil wants you. That's the point I was at 20 years ago. And he just puts you in. You were never saved. Look what you did. You never accepted Christ. Look what you did. 
And Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know, you look at Romans chapter number six, it says, he that is dead is freed from sin. Some people just get tired of sinning and they give up. He that is dead is freed from sin, but that's not the answer. And Paul gives the answer. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then thankfully for us, so grateful for us, 2,000 years later, Paul answers the question for us. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That struggle for sin, the law reveals the nature of sin, tells us where we're messing up, holds a mirror up to us. The law reveals the struggle for sin. It's when you begin to realize what sin is and, and you realize that battle is taking place that you've been losing and losing. But the law also reveals the victory because it's through the law when we see our own sin, when we realize where we stand in God's eyes, where, when we realize there's but a step between me and death. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior... It's just a step between you and hell. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. The Bible tells us to renew our mind. I had to flip, I don't know if I can find it. Romans be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to be going to Colossians 3 here if you want to get ahead. But he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. That doesn't mean that he goes on sinning. That doesn't mean that he just quits trying. That doesn't mean that he, he says, well, this is all good and everything. I just can't keep it. I just may as well go and enjoy myself. He says, with the mind, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. What controls this flesh? Mind. Before we go to Colossians 3, look at chapter number 8. The victory. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's still, there's still loss of rewards. There's still, you're still going to suffer from your sin. If, but if you walk in the spirit, you mess up. You go to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins to God, not to man. Confess your sins to God. He says, therefore, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then he gives another law. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And there's your victory over that struggle. 
And then in verse number three, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. See, there was no spiritual component to the law. The law was simply God telling you this is what sin is. This is what you need to do. Now, it's a whole different discussion. God made allowances with the sacrifices. God made allowances with the blood. That's where, that's a whole nother sermon. But he said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. How do you overcome sin? It's through Jesus Christ. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's a whole other sermon after that. But look at Colossians chapter number three, because this is what I want to leave you with. Because here's Paul telling Christians what to do. It's not just a battle that you give up. It's not, it's not something you say, well, I'm just stuck with this sin. I'm just stuck with it. I'm just going to fail over and over and over again. I'm just going to fail. I just, I'll never get it right. This is Paul talking to Christians, and he tells them, he says, if you then be risen with Christ, that goes all the way back to Romans chapter number 6 if you want to read it. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And here's keeping your mind on the spirit. Here's walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. You know why I say that so much? I've been addicted to news for the last year. It just changes. But it puts your mind in the wrong spot. It's, it doesn't mean that you can't know what's going on. Sometimes you just got to pull back and say, I need to focus here. It's where you set your mind. Remember he said, so with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Imagine that. Go all the way back to Romans chapter number six. This is where the index cards and the thread come in. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. Your destination's been changed when you know Jesus Christ. But look what he says in verse number five. It's a conscious thing. It's not osmosis. It's not simply just sitting next to a Bible or putting one on your coffee table or wearing a cross or getting testaments up at the uh, bookstore, Bible bookstore, or, or getting a catchy phrase to hang on your wall. There's something you got to do. Verse number five, he says, mortify, mortify, that means kill, put to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon this earth. Now, that doesn't mean the church members. I don't want anybody saying, Brother Keith said to kill all the church members. Mortify your members, your fingers, your, your whole, your flesh. 
He said, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And then he gives a whole list, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. There's that word again. And covetousness, which is idolatry. There's no ice cream in there. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Known family members. They have passed away under some hard circumstances. We know they got saved early on. We know. We know their mama. We know them. Got off into drugs. Got off into other things. Sometimes God will just let the sin take you out. Sometimes. But he says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children. And this is in our family. Cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. And these are things, this is, this is a guidebook for you. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You want to see another list? Go to Galatians 5.17. You don't have to, or go to Galatians chapter 5. You don't have to do it right now, but it lists out all the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. You see why I go crazy with this? He said, but now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Behold, all things are become new. He is a new creature. But sometimes people go a lot of times. You look over Romans 6, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. A lot of times people hang out by the graveside. When no one's around, they'll pull him up. <laughs> and it's weekend at Bernie's. Let's go, buddy. And then he said, and have put on the new man, which is renewed, renewed, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You reading your Bible? You learning about God? You praying? You staying in his word? You trying to learn more about God? You letting God show you more about yourself? Because it's a two-way street. You can learn all kinds of things about God. You can know all about God. You can know every apostle, you know. You can have an idea of where they live, buddy. You can, you can, you can uh, go down to the Greek and the Hebrew, and you can say, oh, well, this Isaiah wrote this, and Deutero-Isaiah wrote that. You can know all of that, and it's not going to help you. You have to put on a new man. And have put on a new man which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. And that's knowledge of God. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all in all. And it just keeps going. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, mind. Humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. First Corinthians chapter number 13. The law reveals the nature of sin, what it is. The place of sin. It's still within you. 
and the consequence of sin. The law shows us that we were bound for hell without Jesus Christ. And after you're saved, the law reveals the struggle that's within you because we're still in this flesh. We're seated in heavenly places in our spirit, but we're still here on this earth and we're still surrounded by sin. And the law reveals the victory through Jesus Christ, the victory over struggle, the victory over death with eternal life, and the victory over sin. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and that's a gift from God. But if you haven't accepted that gift, it's not yours. He that believeth not is condemned already. Oh, I look out here and I'm saved, preacher, I'm saved. I'm not trying to retread you. But do you know that you know? Like Brother Luther, I really get to go. I know, I settled it. You know what changed for me 20 years ago? I said, Lord, I have to trust you. I realize I can't trust my own merit. I had to put my faith in you. I, I asked you to save me, and I have to trust that you're going to do it. You know what that is? It's called faith. And without faith, it is impossible to believe, please God, because he that cometh to him must believe that he is.